Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. (laughs) Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio on another glorious day of expansionism for the ever more ambitious Prime Minister Boris Johnson who is working wonders from Downing Street, isn't he? Not least in upsetting all the Remainers who are fast disappearing in a fog of insignificance. You can hear the doubters squealing as he announces yet more reforms. Today, with £100 million for the prison system to stop the free flow of drugs and weapons going in and out of the place, that's on top of £2 billion handed to hospitals last week and more money for the police as well. For all of the doubters who thought Boris wasn't up to the job. He certainly seems to be cutting a swathe through the programme of regeneration and improvement. I think he's doing a brilliant job, isn't he? Of course the lefties aren't happy. It's not real money, they say. It's not new money. He hasn't done anything substantial. We haven't left the EU yet. On and on and on and on. But today, we hear from Donald Trump's National Security Advisor, John Bolton, that the USA will enthusiastically support a no-deal Brexit. And he wants us to get on with it as quickly as possible so we can get a trade deal organised. And he's also said it doesn't have to all be done at once. You can do it piece meal. You can do bits of trade here, bits of trade there, just as well as I have told you uh, for the best part of the last six months. 0344 499 1000. I mean, what is not to like with Boris Johnson being in that 10, number 10 Downing Street and working as hard as I've seen any Prime Minister work? Forget about Theresa May and her sort of work ethic and how she was always uh, tied to the desk and always working hard into the night. Well, Boris Johnson is getting through a raft of reforms. He's spending lots and lots of money. He's helping lots of people. He's changing lots of things and we are moving ever closer by the way to the the no deal Brexit that will take us out of the European Union on October the 31st. Coming up we'll be celebrating some more good news. Climate change is soon to be no more thanks to Bill Gates the billionaire entrepreneur who's going to fire a load of dust into the stratosphere to protect us from the sun. So all you students down at Goldsmith College no need to give up hamburgers after all. 03444991000 and we'll be hailing Meghan Markle for being her usual selfless self. The waxworks people at Madame Tussauds are separating her from her husband and putting her in a different spot with her celebrity mates to reflect her independent celebrity status. Isn't that nice? You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. More gun talk from a water pistol from the farmer of fury. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. Ian Collins in today for Matthew Wright coming up after the news at one o'clock, of course. We're here until then. Uh, you might remember, just before we talk to uh, our good friend Professor Jim Horn, a sleep expert, former professor at Loughborough University's Sleep Research Centre about napping, right? You might remember yesterday we had a conversation about GPs, how difficult it is now to get an appointment with a GP. Many of you were still tweeting about that after the show yesterday, and many of you were in agreement with me that it has become very, very difficult difficult if you're not literally at death's door uh, to get yourself an appointment with a GP uh, within four days, five days, sometimes as many as 15 days. But the other conversation we were having was about antibiotics. And there's an interesting story in the Times today, which sort of backs up what we were saying before. And it's a study that's been funded, believe it or not, by the Royal College of GPs and the National Institute for Health Research. And the study published in the British Journal of GPs, uh, according to the lead researcher Oliver Van Heck, says basically that giving children children antibiotics might do them more harm than good. So there's more evidence really there that, you know, they really are trying to stop giving antibiotics to kids and they're very, very open about it um, without actually admitting it which is a strange thing. 0344 499 1000. We've got loads of you who want to get on. We will talk about trade. We will talk about Brexit. We will talk about the climate change problem coming up in the next hour as well. Right now, let's talk about sleeping because we've got Professor Jim Horn here. Jim, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Now, this is an interesting study, isn't it? I mean, because for everyone who has a nap in the afternoon, uh, they're going to be looking at this going, blimey, does this mean I've got, uh, you know, a much higher potential than anybody else to have Alzheimer's disease? No, I think it's just... Uh uh, look a bit fear mongering here. Uh, if you have a bad or you see it's not too good uh, uh, at night, then the time is going to really sort of hit you is the early afternoon. Yes. Because our body clock is designed to probably have two sleeps a day anyway. Right. Uh, and in very, very hot climates, of course, uh, it's, uh, uh, people have a siesta in the yes. afternoon, uh, and that's all part and parcel of reducing uh, uh, your amount of sleep you need at night. And if you have a siesta in the afternoon, it means you can sleep best at night and stay up later in the evening in the hot climates and enjoy the, mm. the, the cool, cool evening a bit better. However, as, as we get older uh, and uh, perhaps the people retired, uh, the, the body clock ages as well. Uh, and so you, you have uh, a reduced ability to stay awake for 16 hours during the daytime, have eight hours sleep at night and 16 hours in the daytime. So naturally, there's a propensity as you go in order to have a nap in the afternoon. Yeah. And there's nothing to worry about. Uh, and I, I think uh, the, the other thing is that it's a good idea to, if you have a nap uh, to keep it short. 20 minutes is okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if you have it, if it develops into full-blown siesta, like uh, an hour or so, mm. this is going to mean that your sleep need at night is reduced and you're going to have more difficulty going to sleep at night. So, But a short nap, 20 minutes, maybe to make up for yeah. the night before, that's okay. Uh, will not harm your sleep at night. Uh, and I think... Uh, uh, then there's this newspaper report linking napping in the afternoon, uh, long sleeps in the afternoon, with, with Alzheimer's yeah. dementia. Uh, I, I think that's really, again, it caused too much worry. But what tends to happen with people with dementia is that they're, they're less active in the daytime, they're less aware of what goes on, and they tend to sleep more, uh, and they have more sleep in the afternoon. Mm. But it doesn't mean that sleeping in the afternoon is a sign of dementia. I'm sorry, that's is uh, a bad that's thing. Very, very I, mean, there's, there's... I shouldn't worry your listeners. No, OK, that's... That. that's that's very reassuring. Uh, the story stems from a study that's been done at the University of California in San Francisco, um, and they seem to be suggesting um, that yes, it might not be a problem at all. But if you're napping more as you're when you're younger, that that might be not, not such a good thing. I mean, I would certainly say from my own personal experience, I I nap now that I'm older than when I was younger. Yes. No, I don't worry about it at all. 
uh, and, uh, and I think certainly people who perhaps uh, uh, who have a busy day, uh, perhaps uh, go up early in the mornings to commute or uh, are up at late, late at night, perhaps, or looking after kids, young kids and the night time, the sleep disturbed, inevitably they're going to be a bit more sleepy in the afternoon. Uh, and uh, that's no sign of dementia. Well, what I think the, the issue is here is that a part of the brain that does regulate sleep and wakefulness does become affected with progressive dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Uh, and, uh, but we don't know whether, what's the cause and effect. Is it uh, the, the, the greater propensity to sleep in the afternoons in people who may be developing dementia? Is that the cause of the dementia or just an effect? And it just seems it's rather uh, an effect rather than anything else. And so the idea of having, if you're having a lot of sleep in the afternoon, staying awake and having lots of coffee, it probably is not going to have much effect on any propensity to dementia. So uh, I, I think really this is one of these correlational studies where one thing seems to be related to another, but one thing doesn't cause the other. Yes. So I think a, a, a nap in the afternoon is fine. And if you're someone who always has a perhaps a longer than 20-minute nap in the afternoon uh, and uh, enjoys it as an hour's sleep and uh, consequence, their sleep at night is a bit shorter, they go to bed a bit later, and they enjoy life and they're fully alert in the daytime apart from the afternoon, then there's nothing to worry about whatsoever. What would you say to somebody who has a two-hour nap in the afternoon? Well, um, I think it depends why. If, 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 Not particularly active around any really, other time either. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, two-hour nap in the afternoon is what we were originally designed for anyway in hot climates. Uh, but I think it's rather long, but if that person has actually got used to having a two-hour nap in the afternoon and only sleeps four or five hours at yeah. night, uh, but they, their sleep is good uh, and uh, they enjoy staying up later or getting up a bit earlier because they've had less sleep at night and had this nap in the afternoon and they're having a fulfilling life uh, and an active life. I think so. uh, and the rest of the day, they're fine. Yeah, all right. Well, it seems like they're probably not working hard enough either because, of course, I mean, there was <laughs> well, a thing in the 80s, I remember there was a big thing called power napping, right? And you used oh, to yeah. nap at your desk. <laughs> You're not used to having a, a, a long uh, siesta in the afternoon. Once it's, and you're not used to it, then if you have that occasional long sleep in the afternoon, you're not used to it, you wake up feeling pretty groggy, thick-headed and pretty awful, and that's the type of jet lag, really. You're yeah. sleeping at a time of day and your body's not used to it. Mm, no, absolutely right. Well, I'm very glad, Professor, that you've managed to allay our fears and tell everybody not to worry. <laughs> Professor Jim Horn there from uh, the former uh, Sleep Research Centre in uh, Loughborough University. Uh, he's formerly from there. The Sleep Centre, I think, is still there. Uh, let's talk now, though, uh, about trade once more. We were talking about it at the start of the show. Uh, we had Sam Lowe, trade expert on from the Centre for European Reform. Mike is in York, wants to talk about it. Hi, Mike. Oh, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Very well, sir. What are you going to say? Well, uh, first of all, on trading, can I just give you the benefit of my 30 years retail experience? Please. OK. Well, first of all, trade. Um, what I would like to say is, you know, we have our foreign aid budget of yeah. 15 billion. Well, the next time, God forbid, there's um, an international uh, crisis incident mm. instead of sending money we send them our goods so one they're actually seeing say jcbs and then they know that it's good quality and it's made in england it employs the people here and we're not giving a sack of money to uh, if you like aid industries who uh, squander it willy-nilly by people on £140,000 a year uh, yes well that's true and that's my point. Yeah. I'd also like to have a, a Britannia uh, 2 roaming the seven seas. Right. Not, just, not for the royal family, but for people to sell our goods. Because, 
believe it or not, I do believe that's a, a good way of selling Britain. Yeah. Yes. No, I think there are many good ways of selling uh, the Britain that we know is very, very saleable. You know, we have got stuff that people want to buy. I mean, all this nonsense that we hear from uh, Remainers who say, oh, yeah, but we don't make anything anymore. Absolute rubbish. We make loads of stuff that people buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And instead of giving them money where they go and buy it anywhere, yeah. they actually have to use. Like, for instance, we could have a, a contract out to make tents or water purifying kits. Yeah. Could put them in warehouses in Australia or you could spread them around. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And, that, and that, would, that would create many, many jobs. Yeah. Well, listen, I was very encouraged by what Sam Lowe had to say because, you know, like he said, not everybody um, is completely neutral on the subject because everybody's got a view and there is a bias at some point or other about remain or leave or whatever. But he did not seem to be one of those doom mongers who said it's all going to be a catastrophe. I mean, a number of times I've heard politicians saying, well, everybody knows that no deal is a catastrophe. Well, I'm sorry, everybody doesn't know that and I don't agree that it will be. It's not a cliff. It's a beach. In, on, the thir- on the 1st of November, like we will all be... I like it. You can make a- that a slogan, you know, put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> That's very good. It's not a cliff, it's a beach. <laughs> I like it. Can I give you my benefit of my 30 years... Um, I thought you just had. No, no. Oh, all right, well, you better hurry up then, because we haven't got 30 years to, uh, to wait for the news. OK, all right. Uh, Tesco took over Booker. Yeah. Um, and as predicted, I used to buy um, a, an outer of photocopier paper, Xerox. Excellent stuff. Goes through commercial commercial photocopiers. Right. It was £9.99 plus VAT. Right. Within 18 months, it is now £14. Really? Plus Every, Tesco should never, ever have been allowed to buy Booker because... Your independents are no longer independent. No. They've well, got to go to book. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the problem with all these big supermarkets is that they've cornered the markets in lots of things. I mean, that's what the dairy producers are all complaining about, that they can't make a reasonable living selling, selling milk because the milk all has to get bought by the supermarkets. Remember the other slogan on the side of the vans, you shop... We drop yeah. and close your local shop. Right. <laughs> Very good. I see what you did there, Mike. Full of slogans today. I like that one, though. We can maybe get some uh, Independent Republican Mike Graham T-shirts made up with the uh, slogan, it's not a cliff, it's a beach, and give one to Femi. I mean, that's a good idea. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Maybe you can drive my car. Yes, I'm the Independent Republican Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. Now, have you ever driven in your car uh, and used a hands-free telephonic device, i.e. Uh, you have your phone hooked up either by Bluetooth or it sits in a cradle or something like that. Uh, the phone rings, you hit a button, you answer it, you have a conversation, you drive around quite safely. We are, in fact, the safest drivers, according to some reports I've seen and some statistics from the European Commission, actually. We are uh, the best-performing country in Europe uh, for traffic fatalities, according to these figures that I've got here in front of me, uh, supplied uh, by the Fair Fuel people, uh, who are good friends of this show, Fair Fuel UK campaign. United Kingdom, 28 um, deaths per million inhabitants in 2018, uh, compared to the worst, which is Romania, where they have 96. 
deaths per million inhabitants in 2018. And above us are Denmark, Ireland, Netherlands, Sweden, Malta, Spain, Germany, Finland, Slovenia, Austria. You get the picture. Uh, but we are very, very good when it comes to road safety and certainly fatalities. I don't see what's different about talking on a phone when, with your hands free, driving a car, than talking to somebody who's sitting next to you. Let's talk to Nick Lloyd, Acting Head of Road Safety at the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents. Uh, I may find that he has a different point of view. Nick, a very good morning to you. And good morning to you, Mike. Is there any difference between talking on the phone hands-free and talking to somebody who's actually in the car? Very much so. Uh, it's chalk and cheese. So um, if we're together in the car, I'm driving, um, you're obviously talking to me, um, chatting away, you can see something ahead, you can automatically tell that actually I'm I'm not concentrating on you anymore, I'm really looking at what I've got to do ahead of me, and you'll just naturally just stop talking. However, if I'm driving at the moment, you've got no idea what's in front of me, and we just carry on the conversation, so it's, it's completely different. What do you mean, because the person in the passenger seat stops talking? Absolutely, oh, right. um, absolutely. So, you know, you have got no idea. You know, I'm driving down the M6 now, or I'm driving, for example, in central London, and there's so much happening all of a sudden in front of me. You, we just carry on having this conversation, and and if I feel as if I have got to carry on talking to you, I'm trying to do two things at once, and basically, when you multitask, what it means is it affects your driving in a very detrimental way. But surely if you're, uh, say, approaching a, a traffic jam or you're approaching a roundabout, you need to concentrate on something, or you need to do something which is a part of uh, a concentration that doesn't involve you talking on the phone, you just, you just stop talking, don't you? You just say, look, I've just got to take care of something, I'll call you back, or something like that. You know, nobody, nobody keeps talking if they've got something worrying them while they're driving. It depends on the conversation. Uh, and evidence actually shows that that doesn't happen. The evidence shows... What evidence is that? Uh, there's, for example, there's a whole variety. One of them, for example, was done by Emma Briggs from Open University. Um, that information is on uh, Rosper's mobile phone and, and yeah, driving what's the, what's the evidence, though? The evidence shows that um, you, it takes you longer to react. So, for example, if you are dual-tasking, it takes you 1.6 seconds slower to react, you might think 1.6 seconds, that's absolutely nothing, doesn't matter. What it means is at um, 30 miles per hour it's going to take you an extra 21 metres to stop, five fiestas. Now that's not Rosper's uh, weird saying to it, what that is is evidence from a well-respected yeah, academic. It, yeah, but how do you come about those, those figures? I mean, how does she get those? That's been done on uh, driving simulators. Oh, so what, they've just tested people on driving simulators talking on the phone? When you say, oh, they've just done it on a driving simulator, yeah. it's, it's under um, uh, test conditions, so it's the safest way of doing it, um, and it replicates what the driver yes. is. So no, it I'm, is, I'm not disputing it's, it's, that, it's, it's they, that they've done... Yeah, no, I don't, I'm not disputing that, but what I'm saying is, is that I still don't see how different it is to talking to somebody, because I don't agree that... If you're having an argument, for, for example, in a car with your spouse which I'm sure many people have had, they don't absolutely, they don't stop talking at all while you're uh, approaching some area of danger or whether something's going on in front of you. You know, nobody's ever that, uh, that sort of well-behaved, are they? I think most people, when they've had a conversation on their phone, when they're driving, um, hopefully hands-free hands because you can still do that legally, although it's dangerous, but most people, I am absolutely convinced, and that's from myself when I've done it, um, and other people will sometimes think, actually, when I finish that conversation, 
I've missed X, I've missed Y. My driving wasn't as good as it would have been if I'd have been not having that conversation. And I think that that is... Yes, I agree. Listen, I'm, I'm not suggesting that it's not right to say that it's distracting, but I just don't get that it's more distracting than having an actual conversation with someone in the car, which you wouldn't ban because you can't ban that. And, and the evidence shows it is not. That's not the case. Well, how, I mean, that's what, so what they've tested people in cars sitting next to each other as well, have they? Well, the if the research is, is on our fact sheet, and it, it there is clear evidence that talking on a mobile phone is distracting and I'm not I'm not disputing that, that. Is, that is something that we can legislate against what it would be crazy and I don't think Rossport or anybody else would say that you can legislate against a passenger talking That's to I mean. a driver however however as I mentioned at the very start when you are a passenger in a car you are aware of what's going on and and you are far more um receptive to when you talk and when you don't talk and when you stop talking altogether. You might be, yeah, but it's not an absolute, is it? And that's my point. And also, how are you going to um, in any way kind of make this work? Because I see more people now than ever talking on their mobile phones, actually holding their mobile phones, which is dangerous and which is something which is actually illegal, but it's not being enforced because there's more and more accidents being caused by people doing that and there's fear and fear of people do who are doing it getting prosecuted. I think there's... Two things to say on this one. First of all, um, laws are effective when there's widespread public support. That happened when um, seatbelts were made mandatory. And secondly, um, uh, Transport Committee are talking about um, are fines sufficient. So there is a petition that's um, going around at the moment where people are calling for an automatic six or 12 month ban if you use your mobile phone. So there's, there's, there's two ways. I mean, personally, I would like the discussions that such we're having on talk radio today is to educate people so they realise that using a hand-held, sorry, hands-free phone and having that conversation, it might be legal, but it's not safe. Once we can educate people to realise that and they actually stop doing it um, by choice, Virtually, the argument is is one because then it won't be an issue, and the police will only be um, having to. Well, uh, hang on. You've just you've just you've just agreed with me though that the, we haven't even won the previous argument, which is that you shouldn't use a phone while you're holding it in your hand and driving, and that's still being done. And there's a lot of work to be done. Right. So maybe we should win that one first, is what I'm saying, because I'm not sure how you would actually prosecute someone who's talking in, in an imaginary way to somebody that may or may not be on a phone. Because if you're driving, right, and what are you going to do? Are you going to zap me with some kind of device that says I'm on the phone? How's that going to work? How do well, you know if the person in the back seat isn't on the phone? I think it's socially and ethically unacceptable for us to not to legislate against something that we actually know is contributing to killing people. We know that driving and having a conversation is dangerous. We know that people are... Uh, takes them longer to react. They're less likely to recognise hazards in front of them. Um, they're far more uh, likely to look but fail to see. We know that's the case. There's evidence out there now that well, so is speeding. proves it. You know, there's so lots of things should, that are dangerous, aren't they? So but you surely, can't legislate against everything. So surely we can't ignore the fact. We have to do something about it. And legislation is the way because um, at the moment people think because it's legal, it's safe to do so. And that is not the case. 
Well, I don't think anyone thinks that it doesn't maybe be, be a dis become a distraction. But for some people, for example, who work in their cars all day and that's their job, you know, they need to be able to communicate while they're in the car. And I think, you know, making more and more rules against what you can and can't do, it starts to sound like it's a very undemocratic society. Some things have to be allowed to be, to be done for people to be able to do their work, surely. I think uh, there's, there's some very, very good, well-known um, blue-chip companies that now have policies in place where they actually uh, don't allow their um, workforce to use their phone whilst they're driving. And that gives them great credibility and also great PR where people realise that actually they're doing their utmost to maintain safety on the roads and I think they're to be commended and I, I certainly cannot um, support people who use their car as an office. No, but some people have to, you know, they're not, they're not lucky like you and I where we can sit in one place and do our jobs, you know, some people have to move to do their jobs, it's as simple as that, you know, they might be couriers, they might be people driving a lorry uh, which is delivering things, you know, it's not always possible to guarantee that you will not have to use some kind of communications device while you're actually on the move. It's, it's okay to say that. However, when you are, um, if you like, when, when you happen to be maybe um, uh, in, in conflict with somebody who is, who is using their phone whilst driving for work's purposes, we tend to think, you know, we're the first person to criticise them and say, you know, look at white van man or look at the person who's talking on the phone, haven't got a clue what they're doing. Uh, it's easy to criticise, but and we don't like it when people do it to us. No, indeed. I'm still puzzled as to how it would be um, actually prosecuted or how a policeman would stop me from driving while I'm on a hands-free phone because he thought I was on a hands-free phone, because you can't really tell, can you? Well, I think what's important to say is, is not how difficult it is for the police. I think the point to make is that currently it may be legal to, to have a conversation on your phone. However, if... I am doing this at the moment, we're having this conversation, and I, for whatever reason, I am concentrating on, on, on my answer to you. I don't see the pedestrian in front of me. I run into them. The police, what they will automatically do, if it's a serious injury or a death, they will go into my phone records to see, have I been talking on my phone? Yes, I have. I will then obviously face the consequences of yeah, the law, probably but that's uh, death the fact. by dangerous well, driving. Well, you haven't saved anybody's life by doing that, have you? Hence why it shouldn't be uh, allowed. Yeah, but nobody's running over people just because they're talking on the phone, you know. I'm, I, I, we'll just have to agree to disagree, Nick, because I don't think you should be enacting legislation just in order to change people's behaviour. If you want to prosecute people, that's fine, but I don't see how you can. I'd be willing to take people's calls on this because, uh, for example, I've got lots of tweets coming in uh, who disagree with you, Nick. 03444991000 is the number. How about this one from Jake? It says, this guy's talking rubbish. The evidence he's talking about is comparing talking hands-free to not talking hands-free, not comparing between a conversation and hands-free. Uh, also, the radio doesn't stop when the road gets tricky, does it? Well, that's very true. Very true indeed. We'll take your calls. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. We're going to take your calls on some of that hands-free nonsense because lots of you are on Twitter complaining about the idea that these people want us to change our behaviour. So let's make a new law and makes it illegal for you to talk hands-free on the phone. I still don't get how it's different from talking to somebody uh, sitting next to you or trying to make the kids shut up in the back seat or try and stop the dog from whining. You know, I mean, it's all distracting, isn't it? The point is, if you're a driver, you're supposed to be able to drive and ignore the distractions. That's the point. However, uh, we're going to move away from that just for a moment because I'm delighted to say uh, that I'm joined by David Matchett, Head of Food Policy Development at Borough Market, which has to be, I can uh, quite freely admit, without fear or favour, the greatest food market in the world. Well, Welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm not, and I'm not just saying that because I want a free <clears throat> venison burger. Because um, <laughs> I go to Borough Market pretty much at least once or twice a week, and even probably more often now that I'm actually now stationed neighbours ahead of above it. You know, I can go out onto our, our balcony and see Borough Market. You can smell the cheese from here. I yeah, think, I mean, it's such a wonderful place, and people oh. know. I'm, I'm always tweeting out about stuff that I buy there, stuff that I cook from there. Um, and people know that I'm a sort of an aficionado, not only of the of the food stalls, but also of quite a few of the pubs as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I mean, thank you very, very much for your kind words and um, for the opportunity of, uh, you know, of, of, of coming in here. Yes. Um, you know, and, and, and saying hello. So it's a pleasure to be well, here. Well, the good news is you haven't had to travel very far. <laughs> that's um, true. But you're here because of a rather interesting collaboration with the Victoria and Albert Museum. Tell us about well, it. Well, that's correct. Well, um, we heard about this collaboration through, or this, this, this uh, initiative through one of our demo shows. Chef Hayden Groves, who um, also works with uh, Baxter Story, who runs some of the cafes over at the VA. Right. And they promoted this exhibition called Bigger Than the Plate, which takes us all through the food system. And, um, you know, we weren't really intrigued about, well, you know, the Victorian Albert. Why would the Victorian Albert be doing something yeah. about food? Right. Um, but actually, you know, it's a very iconic, um, you know, a representation of traditional British enterprise. Yes. So and it's all about, it was, and it's uh, all about culture. And, it's and, all about and, I mean, food, food culture. If, if, yeah. if, if, if nothing 
nothing else, food is culture, isn't it? Well, absolutely. And I think the way they take you through the food system mirrors very much about what we like to do at Borough Market and yeah. educating people about food. And, you know, you you, you mentioned about the food that you mm. live over there and, you know, the experience of getting to talk to the traders, learning about the food is yeah. all part of the experience. And bringing, um, you know, new, new initiatives and um, innovation is very, very important as yeah. well. And I think that this is what this um, exhibition um, that showcases um, mushrooms that mm. are grown in uh, coffee grinds. Right. Now, funnily <laughs> enough, somebody says, when, when we talked about having you in and we talked about the story, I saw something about this around about, I, I guess, sometime maybe last year on a local TV station in London um, because they were collecting... It was a very Southwark-based thing and they were collecting the coffee grounds from coffee shops actually in kind of, you know, SE1, which is obviously, for those of you outside of London, one particular postcode in London, mm -hmm. and then growing the mushrooms, I think... <laughs> I'm right in saying, in an underground sort of cavern underneath Clapham Common. That's right. Is that Gro where they're coming um, from? Grow Cycle. Well, no, the ones that we're getting are actually being grown in the Victorian Albert. Oh, are they? Yeah, so right. Grow Cycle is the company that run the initiative because, right. you know, it, it, it's looking at things that actually, you know, the, these coffee grounds are still very, they've got nutrients in them, so they haven't finished right. and they still can be used for mm. something. So it's going back to that tradition of, you know, using, getting the most out of yes. something because ultimately it saves money as well mm. and you're getting the And there was another initiative which we showcased at the market some time ago as well from a company called Biobean who take the coffee grinds and actually um, mould them right. into briquettes that you can actually burn. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, as well. So it's yeah. getting the most that you Probably can. Probably smell quite something. nice as well. It's sort of Colombian roast going on in the fireplace. Well, you know, it's funny, but the, the <laughs> mushrooms don't taste of coffee, which is one of the things that I thought was, uh, well, yeah. will they actually taste of coffee? But no, they, right. taste, like, they taste like mushrooms. Okay. Um, so and I've, is this I'd, something that somebody could do on their own? I mean, is it easy to do or do you need, is it quite a complicated process? No, it's not. I mean, it's just, I mean, that, that's one of the things about it is that it, I can, you can bring them into your own home. So if you don't have a garden or you yeah. don't have an allotment, you can still get the pleasure of growing. Yes. And, I mean, you know... You um, get a little window box Absolutely. Or I mean, and, and, and uh, you know, it was really exciting and, and, and wonderful that uh, Charlie Foster, who's second-generation turnips, right. <laughs> you know, the, the the fruit and veg man, who's, uh -huh. who's uh, actually taken the mushrooms and um, turned them into a risotto made with British spelt. And, um, you know, he was very excited because for him, it's the... the you know, we think, well, will they sell mushrooms? Mm. Why would they be wanting to promote the fact that they can be grown in yes. your own home. But it's all about bringing people into contact yeah. with where their food comes from. Sure. And, um, you know, this is what we thought was really, really good about this exhibition um, because it actually takes you through the whole process from start to finish. Mm. There's a very, very big twist that I don't want to, you know, that I, I, I don't want to ruin about what the exhibition is like. But, you know, it's always good to get a bargain at Borough Market and you can get one tomorrow because okay. if you go along to Turnips to get your um, mushroom risotto, he has got a special code that will get you a discount entrance into the exhibition okay. but I can't tell you what it is you're okay. going to have to go along tomorrow uh, but you get the code from them then when you get you go the code there. from yeah you'll so, get the code from I mean, what, what you're describing is that it's a relatively new um, spot isn't it in Borough Market I mean I say relatively new because time flies for me now that I'm this old but it's probably about a year old they've had a guy there making mushroom risotto that's right next yeah. to where all the mushrooms are because I find that whole area and the whole kind of mushroom thing quite fascinating and I know there'll be people listening to me now going Mike Graham has now gone officially completely mad but when you oh you I sound was, like a fun guy to me I was saying yeah <laughs> we did that on the trail oh. for the show um, the point is that there's there's some um, mushrooms which are ridiculously expensive and I remember I had to buy I was making something and I had to get a sort of selection of <clears> mushrooms <throat> so I went to Borough Market and I bought one mushroom which I think was £72 per kilo or something mm. like that, which is the very expensive end of the market. 
Um, and it wasn't, obviously, for one mushroom, it wasn't £72. But, you know, I love the idea that there's all these different flavoured mushrooms and they all do different things. They do. And there's also, you know, I think this is where seasonality comes into it because, um, you know, there, there's international seasons and all, so you can get South African seps, um, right. you know, whenever you can't get, uh, you know, seps from this country or seps from Eastern Europe. But at the time, I mean, they're still not cheap because they have to be hand-picked, they have to be searched, they are wild so therefore you can't cultivate them so somebody has to basically go out and you know and and, and look for them mm. but going back to the idea that you can still grow your own yeah you know, and you can grow your own coffee grinds. Sure, you know that's brilliant. Um, and the V&A exhibition is on, I presume, for the next few weeks. Is it? It is. I think it's on until September. I don't. Have, I know it's on at the moment. I think it's on until September. But it's it's good because it's um you know it, it's this this is just one of the other reasons that we're doing it is that it showcases Borough Market's commitment to looking forward. We've got a number of food futures programs where we've got maybe traders that you wouldn't normally expect to right. find there. We've got a wonderful association with the South Bank University and the London Agri Food Innovation right. Clinic. I'll have to bring you in the next time I'm in I'll, I'll come, bring you I'll, in some I'll of the I'll pop over and see it Wonderful. because uh, yeah. I, I'm due a visit there anyway in fact, I, might, I think I might be there tomorrow because I'm meeting oh. somebody for a drink so oh. uh, it may well be <laughs> that I'll do a bit of uh, tipsy shopping later which is uh, always a bad idea well if I'm be... free I'll bring you around and, and, and show you around <laughs> introduce you to some of our, our, our great traders that'll be great brilliant stuff well thank you so much for coming in there... David Matchett Head of Food Policy Development at Borough Market if you want some uh, discounted mushroom risotto tomorrow pop over there yeah there's just one more thing um, I wasn't able to bring you in the mushrooms, yes. but I was able to bring you in a recipe for mushrooms from Burrow oh, Market's great. cookbook. Um, wonderful recipe with mushrooms and dolphins. So that's with our now, compliments. Um, oh, that's very kind of you. Thank <laughs> you very much indeed. Um, that's David Matchett, Head of Food Policy Development, London, London's Borough Market. What a Borough Market, Borough Market cookbook now, so I'll have to go home and make something out of that. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far <laughs> enough. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Tell you what, I've just had a look at this mushroom uh, recipe from the Borough Market Cookbook. It looks rather good. Parsley malfatti with wild mushrooms and sage. Looks tremendous. Might have to make that later. Of course, that will involve going to Borough Market today and buying some mushrooms, which is always a bad idea because I'll end up drinking again in one of the pubs. Anyway, um, 0344 499 1000 is the number. Let's talk to Tony, who's in Bognor Regis, wants to talk about driving. Tony, very good afternoon to you. Yeah, good afternoon there. First of all... Happy birthday for last Friday. Oh, thank you very much. Ring, I, I did try to ring you up and wish you a birthday, <laughs> but I couldn't get through. No, no, you're very kind. Well, that's very kind of you. I finally, I finally stopped celebrating it, and now it's Tuesday of the following week, you know. <laughs> but it was a good one. Yeah, that's OK. Now, um, now, what about this nonsense of uh, distraction while driving? It's rubbish, isn't it? It is a load of rubbish. Basically, I work as an electrician and that, and I work on the road. Yeah. I have to go from site to site and that, and I have to rely on the hands-free in the van because of work purposes. Right. I mean, in in the past, in the days past and stuff like that, you used to have CB radios yes. in, the, in the in the lorries and stuff like that, so right. they could talk to each other for traffic calming measuring and stuff like that. Right. In case there's an accident in front of you. They, they banned all that for using because it's not hands-free. Yeah. Listen, I'm, um, not, I'm not going to argue with somebody who says you can be distracted by talking on the phone. Well, yes, but you can also be distracted by talking to somebody sitting next to you. Yeah. You know? Especially when I've got, especially when I've got my nagging wife. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was once driving a car in New York with my, my now ex-wife, right? And we, were, and we were having a row. 
And in the midst of the row, she took the cigarette lighter out of the cigarette uh, lighter holder and plunged it into my thigh while I was driving the car. And it was red hot. You know, that was pretty yeah. distracting. Yeah, but this other thing that you that the the new your news flash um, your news broadcast talked about as well about they're talking about banning sat navs as well. Yes. Well, how are you supposed to get from A to B? You're going to be going back to the Stone Age again well, with the maps. Well, as somebody said, uh, somebody said on Twitter, yeah, it was much safer in the old days when you had the old A to Z on your knee while driving at 70 miles an hour <laughs> trying to figure out where to <laughs> exactly. take the next right turn. You know what I mean? Crazy. Yeah. Tony, thanks very much indeed. Let's talk to John, uh, who's up in Huntingdon in Cambridge. Hello, John. Hello, Mike. How Great are you? Show. Great show, mate. Thank Great you. Show. Thank you. Uh, yeah, what are you making this hands-free stuff? Yeah, the hands-free stuff, uh, to my mind, is... The guy, the guy that was on, Nick, whatever his name was, yeah. to me, he's just talking a load of nonsense. Mm. Right? I've been driving for 50 years. I've drove buses, I've drove coaches, I've, I've been on the roads all my life. Yeah. Right? And this hands-free is ridiculous because it's no different to a passenger talking to you. Right. I mean, my partner, she, she chats away, and I, I noticed what he did say was, he said... Ah, uh, yeah, he said, but if the passenger's there, they know what's going on. Right. A passenger that doesn't drive doesn't know what's going on. No, of course a not. A passenger that doesn't drive just sits there and talks away. I actually, what I actually do is I actually, I stop talking if I'm coming onto a motorway or if I'm doing any, you know, doing any manoeuvre needs a bit of concentration, I don't even answer. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And that's the point. You know, you're, you're supposed to be distracted and you're supposed to deal with those distractions. That's the point. You're the guy in charge of the car. You know, everything's distracting. Oh, I think we've lost John. Um, but John makes a very good point. And this was the point I was trying to make to, to Nick Lloyd from Rosper, which is basically that, you know, what, whatever conversation you are having, whether it is hands-free on a phone, whether it is with your children in the back seat, whether it is with your dog, because you like talking to your dog when you're in the car alone with him, uh, whether you're singing to yourself, whether you're listening to the radio, whether you're listening to, you know, um, a playlist, there's all sorts of distractions. The point is, the bottom line is, you're supposed to be able to deal with them because you're a responsible driver. Let's talk to Simon, who's in the new Forest. Hello, Simon. Morning. Morning. I'm talking to you from the car on the hands-free. How are we? Uh, I'm very well indeed. Now, I, I, funnily enough, the radio station for which I work doesn't actually like talking to people in their cars on hands-free, but on this occasion, we'll let you do it, as long as you don't do it for yeah, too long. He, he has made me pull over, I must admit. Oh, but, fine. Uh, OK. Yeah, so, um, I mean, come on, what a joke this is. If uh, I'm a one-man band taxi driver, right, yeah. and if I'm sure there are thousands of others just like me, and that's just my industry. If they were to enforce this, we would all be off the road and on benefit. Yes. So, well, well, well um, here's another question for you, Simon. How would exactly they, would they enforce it anyway? How, what are they going to do? I saw your lips move as you drove past the uh, the police well, car. The only re well, the only way I reckon that they would do it, they would obviously team up with the the licensing bodies at the councils. Yeah. And rely, and rely on customers to complain. Right. But, you know, the thing is, I have been doing this job many, many years, and there are far greater risks than talking to someone on a hands-free. Yes. I mean, yeah. what, where do you draw the line? Do we not pick up unpredictable drunk people anymore? Because they, <laughs> you know... Um, I mean, I've got it on quite good authority, seeing as I spent 10 years as a bus driver, 
that elderly people fall over on buses. Do yeah. we not pick up elderly people anymore? Yes. I mean, where does it end? Exactly. Where does it end? But this is the no, thing. I mean, I, I said this to our previous uh, guest, Simon, who was talking about, you know, last-minute decisions, procrastinating, all of that. I think we live in a world now where everybody expects everything to be perfect. They're trying to make it perfect. Well, guess what? It ain't perfect, and you can't make it perfect. No, the problem is that there are plonkers out there, there on the road. Right? Now... How many times do you see somebody at night that's driving along with their sat-nav right in their vision yep. with, the, with the brightness up full? Now, that person needs pulling to one side and explaining to them in very simple terms, you cannot do that. No. Right? Let's, let's concentrate on people that are actually getting it wrong. Instead of actually punishing everybody, yes. let's actually get the police out there because that's what Boris has promised. Pull these people over... And I don't care, even if it's fog lights on a on a you know on a, a dry day or evening. If they've got something wrong, pull them, crack down on everything, and then that's one way of sorting things out. But to punish everybody like this, and like I said to you, I don't want to do any other job. This is my job. I'm in it for life. Yes, I love yes. it. And if I have to give this job up, I will not be very pleased. If it's for a reason like obviously if it's medical or whatever, then fair enough, right? Yeah. But if I have to give this job up for that reason, I've got no intention on trying to find any other form of employment because I don't want to do any other form yes. of employment. So I will be spending the rest of my days living off the state. Thank you very much. I know, which would be absolutely crazy. Simon, thank you very much indeed. And how ironic would it be if they set up a system whereby the taxi driver's um, customers could ring in to complain uh, to somebody about the fact that they were using a phone and then they get fired from their job. So the next time you want to get a taxi, guess what? There ain't any. How ridiculous is the world becoming? Let's talk to John uh, in Lincolnshire. Hello, John. Hi. Hi, how are you Hi. doing? Oh, great, I'm great. Good. Um, what do you want to say? Yeah, it's, um, it's the same message, really, because uh, I mean, I used to deliver in rural Lincolnshire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you get and so the office ring and say, "Hi, um, the customer wants to know where you are, because um, they've got to go out soon. When are you going to be there?" Yeah. And Twenty minutes. End of conversation. Right. I, I think I can see the point if it's a sort of a di- chatting to your girlfriend, boyfriend, or whatever. Yes. You can see an issue there. But it's the same with sat navs. Again, rural Lincolnshire. What I used to have to do because I was driving before. Satnavs came in. I'm retired now. And you used to have a, a set of books beside you of all the villages we would like to visit, mm. all with their own little individual street maps, which are usually out of date anyway. Yeah. And I'm sure in rural parts of this country, I don't know about Lincolnshire, John, but, but some places, you won't, the Satnav won't work, will it? Oh, it's pretty good now. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Again, you have to use your intelligence, you know, using local knowledge as well. Yeah. There are some... It does sometimes tell you to go on some daft routes. But, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, but did it, you not think that our man from Rosper was rather dismissive of those people like yourself who want to use a phone for work? Because you need to. You, oh, absolutely. The same with lorry drivers. I mean, yeah. uh, they're, they're often on a 20-minute window but when they've got to deliver. Right. I mean, I've not done that myself, but I've talked to people who do, you know, transport castle like. And what do you do if, you, there's, a, if there's a hold-up on the road, which happens, you know? Yeah. Um, and... You've got to tell, you've got to be able to tell, contact your, 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 um, where you're going to to let them know what's going on. Yes, 
No, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a shocking state of affairs that they want to also introduce a law in order not to prosecute people, apparently, according to Nick Lloyd from uh, the Royal Society for the Protection uh, of for the Prevention rather of Accidents. Uh, he wants to bring in a law that basically changes people's behaviour, not so that they get punished for breaking it, but so that they don't do the thing that he wants everybody to stop doing. Alf says, what about paramedics? Sometimes you've got one dealing with a patient in the back uh, and the other is driving using whatever they use now. Let's talk to Roger, uh, who's in, uh, is it Guysborough? Oh, Mike, hi. Hi, First Roger. Oh, very welcome uh, to the yeah. show. Thank you very much for yeah. calling. What can I do for uh, you? Great. Yeah, yeah, it's just about this guy from uh, Rossborough, Nick, whatever his name was. He's saying that uh, using a mobile phone is distracting. Well, I've seen people, drivers, talking to their passengers, yeah. and they've turned their head to look at the passengers yes. whilst they're driving. Yeah. So, you know, it's ridiculous. Well, of can course I, it is, because it can't can be... I, how can it be any more distracting to talk to somebody on a hands-free than it is to talk to the passenger? Well, exactly. That's exactly the point. I don't know what planet this bloke's on, but there we go. So that's really the point I just wanted to make. Yeah, OK. No, Roger, listen. Uh, well, uh, thank you very much indeed for calling. Lots of you uh, have got things to say about this situation, because it is ludicrous, is it not, to find yourself trying to create a kind of world where no harm can come to you, right? So that there is no risk involved in anything that you do. I just think it's completely and utterly ridiculous. And I mean, as, as many of you are saying, um, Joe says, hi, Mike, I'm sure hands-free devices are banned in France. Like yourself, I did wonder how this is enforced. Well, it's very unclear how you would enforce it because, as I said at the moment, if you look, walk around London, uh, I'm sure if you walk around Glasgow, Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, Sheffield, Cardiff, Bristol, any sort of common uh, centre of, of, of activity where there's an awful lot of people driving vans, driving taxis, driving cars, you will see, I guarantee, loads and loads of people holding an actual mobile phone to their ear while they're driving. Now, that's supposed to be illegal, but I don't see anyone being pulled over for it. I don't see any police on the street pulling people over. Well, guess why? Because there aren't really any police on the street. So if they can't enforce that, then why on earth do they think that you can enforce telling people not to use a hands-free phone? Because how do you know if somebody is on the phone? Uh, Stevie says this uh, on Twitter, if hands-free is going to be illegal, then does that include the police when they use the radio on their body jacket? I've seen so many police officers using their radio as they are driving. It's no different than having someone in your car and you're talking to them. Uh, Ray Mobile Phone says, Simon, this Nick bloke, the same one that has made a very good living from getting very wealthy celebrities off speeding tickets on technicalities, that one? Just to clarify, um, no, that was a different Nick. Um, uh, a different Nick was talking to me there from the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents, I'm afraid. So um, here's one from um, uh, Steve. Distraction levels are far higher talking to a passenger than using hands-free, as on a hands-free there's no one to turn and look at. Well, I'm not sure, actually, about that, Steve, but certainly whenever you see a movie and you see people driving cars in films, they're always turning left or right to talk to the passenger, depending on which side of the road they're driving, and I'm sure people will do that, that's true, but... Also, if you've got children in the back seat, there are going to be times when you turn around to talk to them. There's going to be times when you're distracted by what they're doing. If your two kids are fighting in the back seat, you're going to be distracted by that. If your dog is in the back of the car uh, and unrestrained and suddenly the dog jumps into the back, back seat, that's distracting. Everything is distracting. As I've said, the whole point of being a driver and being a responsible driver is that you are actually capable of dealing with the distractions without being distracted. Isn't that the point? Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app.
If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.